0: on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: Wow, I'm fired up after that spot. Reno's in, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Damon is here. There's so many good angles from the UFC fight card, and while I think the South African against the Nigerian is going to be Dynamite, that's what, Duplessis? Duplessis? How do you say his last name? I say Duplessis, but I feel like Ryan was
2: saying a little bit different.
1: Uh, Versus Israel Adesanya. That's going to be dynamite down the road. And it's part of boxing, whether you're comfortable with it or not. Xenophobia and ethnic rivalries has always been part of pugilism and combat sports. Can get gross sometimes, you know, emotions run high. Um, but this discussion of power slap versus UFC and what is getting promoted is real interesting. And what Ryan McKinnell just did knocking around power slap and saying it's an embarrassment, they're bums. That sounded like every boxing guy I was around from 2003, like up until 2010 when boxing people were like, all right, we're getting our ass kicked by UFC. It's legitimate. We have to give in. Now the shoe is onto the UFC fan's foot, and they're looking down at power slap. Do you you realize what you sound like? And by the way, the reason – the reason that I was witness to all the boxing people hammering on UFC mm. and the UFC people like punching up like, yeah, we want to be boxing, is because I covered both. I was one of the rare people. The show was one of the rare shows that would go to both because we love both. And guess what? I still love boxing. I still really like UFC and MMA, and I like power slap. Ooh, combat sports. You can like all three. doesn't have to always be this rivalry trying to tear each other down. He would
3: McKinnell wouldn't shut up. You never got the answer. Somebody asked Koa Viernes, the uh, the crazy Hawaiian. Same question I asked Dana after Power Slap 2 when we did a sit-down on, what do you say to the people that say it's not a sport? Dana, of course, went into the hole. They told me the same thing about UFC, blah, 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 blah. Koa looked out in the crowd he goes, they say cornhole is a sport. Mm-hmm. So how is this not a sport?
1: We right? just spent the beginning of the week. Talking about what a sport competitive eating is. Yeah, so this I'm, is a sport. It, you have to be a very tough guy. You got to be disciplined. There is form. There's obviously strategy. It's a sport. Just because it's you know at things get the bar as people would say the bar gets lower and lower and lower. So what? If there's people who want to voluntarily slap each other for money, we're in Nevada, man. I, it's like I say this all the time. We're in Vegas. We're we're going to start regulating things. We're going
3: to say it's we're going to turn our nose up to stuff. Mind your own business. If you don't like it, don't watch it. What was the number one controversial story we heard about a ballroom women's basketball tournament here in Las Vegas last year, Steve? Do you remember what was missing? Yep. Medical personnel. Yeah. Dana White came over during the preliminary round of uh, matches a Power Slap and sat down with between Kevin Ioli and I. Kevin Ioli was there. He's doing a big piece for Yahoo Sports. We sat there, and he was talking about the medical protocol, everybody talking about CTE and concussions and how it's dangerous. And he, and he talked about, you know, all the other contact sports. He said, this is a contact sport, but hockey players skate for X amount of minutes. NFL players banging, lining up against one another and, and clocking each other in the head. Um, boxing, he said, the medical protocol, protocols that we put these guys through the testing they have to go through to even become a power slap striker to get on a card he goes that we go through we have t- we've had to turn guys away not be- maybe because of concussion that they suffered in the past something else whatever but they they put them through these tests he was saying the medical stuff that the protocols that they do that they run these guys through before they can be approved to do it he says, and he actually credited the Nevada State Athletic Commission through the first two and a half, because at that point it was it was halfway through the card. He was talking about how they've really clamped down on the fouls, the rules, the this, the, that. So and um, so, yeah. He 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 pointed out a lot of things to to Kevin, like I said, because Kevin's doing a big piece. But he was, I mean, he sat down between the both of us to talk to us about it and answer some questions. Um, and like I said, and then. The one guy who uh, who came on, the Crazy Hawaiian, he he he, he said, uh, they call a cornhole a sport. I would say this is a sport.
1: So we had a request earlier in the first hour of the show because we were talking about UFC and power slap, and someone's like, what's going on? It's MLB All-Star Weekend. All right, you know what? Let's go to the field, and we'll pull a former player. Yeah. Brett Boone is nice enough to join us, a former participant in the Home Run Derby, and, of course, uh, Seattle Mariner for many years. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How you doing? We're good, man. So, what's the scene like right now?
0: It is. I'm going from event to event, and I'm in between events right now. But uh, it's, you know, what? It's really cool. I was here in '01. Um, you know, for the last time the All Star Game was here, and the city really turns out. You know, I, I think nowadays they do such a good job at these these big events. But for the old guys like us, getting to come back and see a lot of the guys that we've played with and a lot of my teammates from that '01 one Mariners team. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm running around, chicken with my head cut off, but it's actually been a lot of fun.
1: Uh, You have a new podcast, right? I know you've been uh, doing it for a while here. I saw you had a big lineup yesterday. Tell us about the podcast.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Odyssey. We just became partners with Odyssey uh, Sports, who's who's, uh, now my partner. I started a few years ago during COVID, and it just kinda of took off. So uh I'll do it three times a week. And uh, yeah, so far so good. You know, we're gonna have we're gonna have some more guests tomorrow, more kind of Mariner's legend. I'm gonna probably bring Jamie Moyer and Alvin Davis and Lou Penella. We're gonna we're gonna do it on site here tomorrow at eleven o'clock, but it's great. I mean it's three times a week and uh you know, it kinda of keeps me into the game.
1: Man, I'm a I'm a Yankee fan. I don't know if I can listen to Moyer. I that was one of those guys. I'm like, I don't understand what the hell is happening and why everyone can't hit 83 miles an hour. But he was one of the, <laughs> Brett. He was one of the more crafty guys in the history of baseball.
0: You know what? The reason I'm having Jamie on tomorrow. Well, first of all, we're in Seattle. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's big here. He had a lot of success. But I, I just stepped off the. Uh, I was just having lunch with him. I said, Moyer, you got to come and do the podcast tomorrow because we're gonna we're gonna have it. All star themes. So uh, Jamie was a teammate of mine for for five years, and he is. I'll, I'll tell you, there's a handful of guys you play with during your career. You know, I played with a lot of great pitchers, a lot of guys that had great stuff. But there's a hand. There's only a handful that in a big game, a game six in the postseason, uh, you know, a, a decider game. There's only a handful of guys I want on the mound, and Jamie Moore is one of those guys because I knew no matter what the outcome was going to be of that game. It wasn't going to be because the moment was too big. Jamie wasn't going to lose the game because he was scared. He was going to lose the game because the game's really hard and sometimes they get you. So yeah, he's one of those gamers and uh, been friends a long time.
1: Brett Boone's with us. He's uh, in there in Seattle getting ready for the home run derby. So you were in a couple of these things. You had mixed results. Tell us what it's like and, and, <laughs> and how, like how do you how do you stay calm and kind of measured where you're pacing yourself, but you're still you know cranking out jacks.
0: Well, I'll tell you, it, the, the rules are different now. I think they've tweaked it through the years. I think they've got a great formula now with the home run derby. I think it's, uh, you know, they've got it to a science where it's it's on a timer. You see a lot of action. I think it's great for the fans. Back in my day, it was if you didn't hit a home run, that was an out. So we didn't hit as many. Right. But I remember my first derby, I got asked to do it. It was in Seattle. We were having that monster year in 01. Uh, we had eight all-star representatives, and they asked me to do the derby. I said, of course I'll do the derby. And I remember just going to the plate going, all right, just don't embarrass yourself. Say, face. hit a few. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. I got the one of the biggest standing ovations I've ever got in my career. And it was just my hometown, and, and I did all right. And and I think I, kept, I tied Sammy Sosa. Back at that time, there was no, you know, you didn't have a, <laughs> there was a tiebreaker, but the tiebreaker was, who had more home runs with the break? I think I had 22, and Sammy had 27. So he went on to the next round got booed out of the stadium by the Seattle crowd. That was my first one. As you alluded to, my second one was a little bit one to remember. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't live it down the rest of the rest of the 3 season. Every city I went no, to, no. that's all I heard was, nice home run derby, boom. You know, my, my teammates gave me a hard time when I came back. My teammates uh, <clears throat> gave me a hard time when I came back from the All-Star break because I hit zero and they said, uh, you know, my teammates are ribbing me, and I kind of I kind of looked at, especially the hitters, and I said, listen, try being asked to go to a home run derby before you have an opinion. So that's the way yeah, I look at yeah. it.
1: Um, if you talk to the current stars of today's game, would you tell them, hey, the home run derby once, if you're a power guy, just do it once. It's really important.
0: Well, I, I don't know how you turn it down. You know, for a guy like me, I, I grew up in the game, you know, I missed playing with my dad by one year, so my whole life has been baseball. And every award I was ever given, every all-star, I, I was like a kid in a candy shop. It's like, of course, I'm going to take advantage. I had the foresight to think this doesn't last forever. This is a small window that we have. And and even today, even though I wasn't, that wasn't my big thing is home run derbies. Every time I'd be asked to go on a home run derby, I would do it. Because how many times do you get to ask me in a home run derby? And one day when you're sitting on the porch, you know, when you're old thinking, oh, I got to play in five derbies. So if I was eligible to be in five derbies, I would have said yes every time, even though I knew that wasn't my thing. I think you take advantage of everything. Now being a an ex-player and, and, you know, now I'm over 50 years old and I look back at my career and I just think, man, I, I'm glad I did everything and, and got the most out of it because – Time flies, and you just don't get these these times back. So I don't know if that would be my 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 I guess my my advice to young players would be take advantage of everything you possibly can, see everything, do everything, because one day uh, you'll be glad you did.
1: Brett Boone podcast, you got to check it out. Brett Boone
3: is with us from Seattle. We got two minutes left, guys. Go, ahead, Willie. Brett, so, you know, uh, this is a day and age where everybody loves lists, right? B- uh, bloggers, uh, radio hosts, podcasters, all love lists. And every time there's an all-star break, be it the NBA, Major League, NFL, whatever, we talk, well, who's the best? Which has the best? Has the MLB all-star break lost its luster? Or And, and take it from a fan's perspective, take yourself off the field as a former player. Right, um, right. Where's it at?
0: I don't know, because I think when you're playing, you're just kind of wrapped up in it. And as you're a player and you're sheltered from everything, I know as a player, uh, you, you kind of shy away, you stay in your room, you, you want to go to limited events because you're playing a 162-game schedule, and you're just there because it's a part of what you do. You were, honored to, you were honored in the All-Star Game, and that's what you do. You show up, so you really don't see your surroundings that much because you're getting shuffled from one spot to the next, so you don't really have an idea of what it's like. Now, looking at it from an ex-player, you know I'm coming back to my city of Seattle. I'm I'm doing a hundred appearances. Uh, it seems like in five days, I'm walking around this city. The city's on fire. The the they have Lumen Field, which is Seahawks Field next to next to T-Mobile, that they have set up for all the extracurriculars. People taking batting practice. But when I'm seeing, all the exhibits set up. For when I'm seeing, the fans are are coming out. I'm just about to go out. I'm going to do an award in San before the home run derby tonight on the field. Uh, I I played in the celebrity softball game uh, two nights ago. There was probably 30,000 people there. So from what I'm seeing, they're putting on a really good show. And, uh, you know, Julio's the hometown favorite here. He's going to be in the derby tonight. So I don't know. So far, so good.
1: Brett, I got 20 seconds left. I know you're busy too. So I'm assuming you're rooting for Julio. I'm only 5'9", so I'm going to root
0: for Mookie Betts. Mookie I'd say he's got no chance. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just gauging on his swing. Like I okay. said, some guys are great at it. The greatest players, some of the greatest players i ever played against. Mike Piazza comes to mind. Jeff Bagwell, horrible at the home yeah. run derby. I remember Alex Rodriguez telling me, I'll never do another derby because I'm horrible at it. Some guys just don't have a knack for it. Yeah. I think the kids today are, are more equipped. I think they prepare for it. If I had to pick one, Julio, that's a lot of pressure. Hometown. I'm going to go with Vladimir Guerrero.
1: All right. Hey, Brett, we appreciate it. We know you squeezed us in. Thank you so much. You got it. My pleasure, guys. There he is, Brett Boone, up on ESPN Las Vegas. He's part of the uh, Odyssey uh, podcast team now with the Brett Boone podcast.
0: Born Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. All right, that was cool. Brett Boone, former all-star
1: I think four-time Gold Glover, three-time All-Star, played with—I don't know—I don't know if I can name all the teams. Twice with the Mariners, the Reds, the Braves, the Padres. I might have to cheat. There's another team. Anyway, Brett Boone joining us. Make sure you check it out. Uh, his podcast, Easy Search, the Brett Boone Podcast, just added to the uh, the Audist, uh Podcast Group. in Las Vegas, Willie is here. ESPN Reno, on as well. Big four-time. Do you get the like the the fury over this Chiefsaholic
3: bank robber guy? It's kind of a crazy story. It is, and I, admittedly, you sent over some audio that I didn't have a chance to listen to ahead of time because um, I was a little late getting here, so I didn't have a chance to review some. Well, here's oh, Pat yeah. McAfee reacting okay, to the right, arrest yeah. today.
2: Chiefsaholic has been
1: arrested and oh charged, they found the wolf with a gun. Who was bank robbing so that he could go to Kansas City Chiefs football games? Whoa! Congratulations to society, no longer having to worry if some wolf was going to come in from your blind side with a gun and say, "Hey, give me your money. I need to see that <laughs> NC Chiefs football team play." <laughs> Chiefsaholic is in jail. And the world got better today. There you go. Chiefsaholic, a guy was wearing a wolf mask at the Chiefs games. I think Raiders fans really get a kick out of this because Raiders fans are called scumbags, and you know scum of the earth by the rest of the NFL and they the Chiefs literally had a fan who was bankrolling his trips to Chiefs games around the country and going to home games by robbing banks so he got arrested his name is uh, Xavier uh, Babador yeah otherwise known as Chiefsaholic and this was a he got popped in California but it was an investigation across the country in different markets Oklahoma City Minneapolis Omaha uh, California Memphis and others he had hit like eight nine banks got away with some good money
3: well I think that's the story is yeah. is the feds wanting to catch a bank robber whereas every what he was doing with it just makes it even more of a fascinating story and all of a sudden it turns into a sports storyline but the fact of the matter is is that they they did catch a, a bank robber which is a, it's a good thing dangerous guy yes dangerous guy I mean right think about it everyone liked this guy you know, a lot of people did
1: uh, maybe not the enemy fans but the guy sitting there in a wolf mask next to you and meanwhile in you know in between games he's driving around the country with a gun threatening people right so that's <laughs> ha not, not 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 as funny as you think it's right. kind of dangerous just just a little bit number three wait a second I'll tell you Willie during the breaks now he has gone full bore on embracing social media the entire break last break Willie and Damon were breaking down. Willie, I don't know. You have so many g damn platforms now. I know you're going to get all fired up over threads. You're. Which, by the way, I'm not ripping you. Um, you are trying to perfect your brand and get everything out on all these different sites. Um, are you doing? You're not doing
3: a daily affirmation on social media, are you? No, no, no. So, so. Somebody turned me on to these affirmation cards, where you you flip over a card. It's a, it's like a deck of cards. Okay. So it's for your own personal gratification, if you and, will. And it's mo- in the
1: future. You need to do this online. People so going. so
3: it's motivated. it's like motivate? But the but they're hilarious. These ones are they're called affirmies. Okay. So the the thing about them is they're they're laced with curse words. So wait, what? So it's like you're you're going, hey. Pull your head out of your this. This is an effing new day. This is this. So it's almost like it's talking to you like a coach, right? Mm. Getting in your face with f words and so I will. I was doing it regularly, but I would do it on Instagram and hit close friends. So it wasn't going out to ten thousand plus oh, man, followers. Get rid of that. All friends. So so close All friends followers. and uh, and so I was just and I and I and I read them. So I read one today. And the very la- and, and there's an F-bomb at the beginning, and the very last thing is, you effing matter. And then I go, happy Monday. I like that. Mom replied and said, there's too many, and she wouldn't even spell out the word, there's too many F, long dash, ings in these things. I think we've talked about this before. Is your family a cursing family? My mom's got the worst. She's a trash mouth. So who is she? She drops F-bombs. So What's the problem? I don't know. I don't get it. She's like very nice, polite, old school woman. Right. But when she gets going, she'll drop a she's wealth she's of F bombs.
1: She's worried about your image. Yeah. She's in your brand as well. She
3: wants she wanted to know a couple of weeks ago who that who that effing guy was that's yelling at you on the show.
1: <laughs> Wasn't Amon.
3: May have may have been me. <laughs> it's part of the biz. It is. Ma'am. It's part of the biz. So anyway, yeah. So it's it's not I'm not trying to create a motivational thing. It's just something I have fun with with the close friends.
0: Number two. Straight
1: up or Your mom's going to get mad. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago we were talking about Victor Webanyama and sort of an innocence about him, and maybe he was playing us a little bit, but um, what I had referenced was him saying uh, the thing he was most excited to go to San Antonio for was to find some really good breakfast burritos. We're like, that's cool, man. This guy's going to come over here. He's not going to be kind of, like, he's not going to develop into a KD, where KD's life just seems to be you know, trolling or getting trolled and he's always worried about social media. just like, enjoy life, chill out a little bit, work with the media, we'll work with you, be happy for the fans, they will love you. I fear a lot of that may have gone bye-bye with the innocence of Wemby because of Britney Spears.
3: Sounds like it. He's he's has stated that in the past, or he said in the past month, I think basketball wasn't even 50% of my schedule. I can't stand it. I know it's a special moment in my life, but I'm glad it's over. I just want to hoop. So I think with everything that comes with it was overwhelming. And I think the whole situation in which realistically has nothing to do, had nothing to do with him, had to do, and then people going, oh, Wemby's security. No, it was the Spurs security. This dude didn't even know what had happened till well after the fact. Misreported. She was knocked down. The security hit her. No, the security tapped her hand. She hit Tap. herself. That's a, that's a light word. S- well, you know. the mom's very worked up about this yeah. from last week. Swatted her hand. She hit herself. She didn't fall, which she said she did. She may have lost her glasses, but she did not fall. Um, so, this dude didn't even know anything about it. And all of a sudden, he owes the apology? The Spurs, as an organization, maybe should address it. And then maybe address how security handles it. My question is... The people that are out there saying that shouldn't have happened, they should they could handle it better. Okay, so when a fan rushes Britney and goes to reach out for her, nobody better swat their hand. No, they better
2: let her let that fan tap her on the shoulder, right? She came out and said, "20 years of being famous, 20 plus years, her security's never anybody." Okay, cool. I don't
1: I don't believe that for one second. I can't wait to see. And it I'm public. not a Britney Spears hater. I don't. I don't believe if there were a camera on every time someone bum-rushed Britney Spears that it didn't get physical. I think that we're that's trying like, to defend the thing. athlete who too would, much.
2: Who would even believe that, DeMond? Okay, but I think we're trying to defend—we we all see the video where it's like, oh, oh, excuse me, excuse me. Like, it's not that big but of a she deal. Was and the same thing, same thing I said to Steve, yeah. if this happened to you or your mother, would you be okay with that? If this happened to you, oh, oh that's so-and-so, I'm going to go tap him on the shoulder, see if I can talk to him. If you saw that, would you just say, hey, mom, that's Wimby, what, are you, what were you thinking? I would have
3: said, Mom, why are you rushing up behind a celebrity? Yeah. Okay. I would have. I mean, you don't, come on, you don't, you don't rush up behind somebody. I don't even do that as
2: a reporter. Yeah. But I can tell you firsthand that I have been. So why do they get this level of high air where, hey, guys, leave them alone? I'm just saying, like, if a normal, like, you can, a regular person, I don't think you can just get off, hey, someone dropped their glasses at Summer League in the concourse yesterday, walking right in front of me. I was like, hey, hey, glasses, glasses. And I, and I gave them a little tap. If they would have turned around and smacked me, would they have been in the right? Hmm.
3: Well, if they don't know what you're doing, I mean, I don't think that they would have been in the right, but at the same time, would they, okay, they wouldn't have been in the right, but would they have been in the wrong by a stranger? They, if they're startled, how do you react? If someone rolls up on you and you don't know who it is and they just rush you from behind, you don't know what they're doing. Okay, well, go. all right, let's
2: just, everybody you're out there. You're a physical dude. Just start punching you're people an in the face. You're not angry person. If
3: someone's like, hey, hey, excuse me, punch them in the
2: face and just see if that goes well. Okay, no, you said, hey, hey, excuse me. Difference between tapping. This, she. It, yeah, but I also, they were walking away, so I gave them like the taps, at, you know, just like, hey, you're, you're getting a little too, maybe you can't hear my voice Got at it. Summer League, you know, and Got I it. gave the taps. Just saying i get I, it i would have been shocked if the person next to them would have been like hey, who I do you get, think you are
3: i get what you're saying and so he may not have been I, I think i think there's two ways to look at it and i think he was doing his job and i don't think that he knew what i don't even think that i would doubt that the security guard knew because it was very reactionary when you watch the video and from my perspective i don't think that he knew whose hand he was slapping away it was peripheral and i think he went like this I don't think he took the time to look to see who it was. And I don't think that that's his job to actually let me make sure that it's Britney Spears. It doesn't matter if it's Britney. It doesn't matter if it's anybody. That's my point. Peripheral vision. He swatted her hand. She hit herself. It is what it is. It's over. It's done. Charges are dropped as they should have been.
1: Number one. This could be a fight that comes up again down the road, especially if there's a lawsuit. Uh, All-Star Weekend is coming up. WNBA. How did they choose the teams?
3: Uh, It was very uh, Aces-centric, and Brianna Stewart wanted some former Storm teammates and her Liberty teammates. And the the surprising thing was, at the end, no trades. Since they went to this format, there's always been a trade at the end. No trades. So you're going to have a very Aces-centric team here on their home court in Las Vegas. Um... Versus Brianna Stewart's team, she's going to have her Liberty teammates. Um, BG was chosen by Brianna Stewart. Um, it just came down that Elena Deladon, who she was the very last person chosen, and it wasn't by a slap in the face to her. I think they it, it was on purpose that she wasn't chosen throughout the draft because she's been nursing an injury. So she ends up being defaulted as the last pick to go to Asia's team. Asia said, oh, no, I'm glad that she's here, just hopefully she can play. Then, later that day, they play, she leaves with an injury. She's now out for two weeks. So, I'm not sure who the reserve is going to be that comes in to play for her. But uh, And it's a shame because it would have been fun to see her here. She deserves it. She's one of the all-time greats. She's won a WNBA title. I was kind of looking forward to seeing her. You know her come in. She's always been cool when you know to ask her for quotes. So it'll be a fun weekend. I, I I enjoy their skills competition. I think they have fun with it. Um, I was really looking forward to seeing Lexi Brown possibly um, getting the three point shootout, but now I think Kel- it's Kelsey Plumps because she lost it dramatically last year. So I think she may go after it. Today's hour
1: on ESPN Reno is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You can call from anywhere in the state of Nevada 766-1400. Make sure you dial seven seven five in the north.
0: Now. Back to Cofield and Company. I, I wouldn't even have to try. So please, 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 Charles, come be this damn idiot's debate partner. Please let me annihilate you on a daily basis, 10 times per show. L- let me l- let, let me make barbecue chicken out of you. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: That's Skip Bayless, one of the hosts of the uh, Shannon Sharpe Show, which, frankly, for me, I joke about it. That was that was about the only stuff we pulled was Shannon going off. Um, I understand what Skip does. His bit has worked over the years. He's making a lot of money, clearly has a lot of power at FS1. Um, I don't know if I will trust this reporting because I think most of SI now has become uh, kind of jabroni, and there's nothing against fans working their way up to be in the media. The opportunities are there, but some guy wrote, uh, Skip Bayless' show is canceled uh, and killed by Shannon Sharp, and now they're on hiatus because they can't find another co-host. I don't know the truth, of, especially that last part. Um, maybe he wanted a little break before football season. Now, who will take over? Will it be a rotation of people with Skip? I'm not sure. I think they need to hit a home run or home runs to help carry the show. What do you think is going to
3: happen? Do you think it's going to be one of the ESPN people who uh, I definitely just think got so. let go? I 100% think that they're like going who? to go. <laughs> I personally, who who like who do I think they're going to go after, or who would I like them to go after? Because I'm I've become a huge fan of Keyshawn Johnson in the morning. I was I was sad to he, uh, see him go because I enjoyed him in the morning. I, I, I I'm a Freddie Coleman fan, so I know he's has been doing a lot, picking up that slack and doing a lot of that. Um, the morning, um, I think Keyshawn is good because. It's the same type of show as First Take, right? They cover the popular sports, they cover the ones that they know. You know, they during the Stanley Cup they talked about it a little bit, but they basically they're talking about the NFL, they're talking about NBA. When Max was on, they were talking about they talk boxing, they throw up some some UFC, but they you know they stick to what they know. And Keyshawn is knowledgeable, and he would be combative with Jay Williams and Max Kellerman. Um, I think it would be a good dynamic. I just, I just do. I think it would be a good transition from Shannon Sharp to Keyshawn Johnson, not because football to football, just because athlete to athlete, and listening to Keyshawn in the morning and, and just his knowledge, his opinion, because he's very opinionated as a player, and he brings that perspective.
2: And I think that's what you need opposite. Right. You got a- any suggestions? Come on. I don't have any suggestions, but I think it's going to be a former football player because NFL is king, and that's you know Skip's bread and butter. So, you know, it, maybe there's some more talented basketball people out there. I think maybe Jalen Rose would be more entertaining, but we already know he doesn't like Skip either. So, for me, I think they need to go with a football player because, you know, that dominates most of the news cycle. Yeah,
1: I, I don't think Jalen could handle a debate with Skip. Uh, the mention of Barkley, I mean, I don't. what would Barkley ask for for a year to do Skip's show? He doesn't like him. I mean, what would it, he'd have to get $20, $30, 40000000 million to do it from ESPN. Uh, I think Keyshawn could do a pretty decent job, yeah. uh, but I think – demand is more correct i think they're going to get someone who's a little greener who can get steamrolled and maybe develop into a decent opponent versus skip but i think it's gonna be a former athlete kind of fresh into the media who doesn't have much of a chance to keep up with bayless i mean if you wanted a a real debate show where you know there's a winner every day max kellerman of course would be able to step up and and would probably i think put skip to shame at times but uh, i don't know if max wants to do that and skip I don't again. I don't believe you know what you read sometimes because the the message gets a little bit skewed. I don't think Skip's afraid of a, a good partner. I just don't think that's the way the show is set up is for someone to come in there and go fifty fifty with Skip. Just like it's not set up with Stephen A. to go fifty fifty. JJ Reddick goes fifty fifty, and that's about the only person they have on there who's fifty fifty with him.
3: Well, and that's I think that's the reason we saw you know we sort of saw different things break off with Stephen A. Is I don't think that you can go journalist versus journalist because it's. Like you said, like I get it. What you and are saying? Like get someone greener, so it's a it's a landslide and let the person win. But in a sense, Keyshawn's the Keyshawn J Will Max show was it was evenly distributed and there were three guys. But it wasn't a debate show. It was a talk show. It was like Coe and Company, right? We we get into debates at times. We do this. We do that, right? I accidentally call people clowns. The fact of the matter is that would be a great debate show. That Skip could have his dominating arguments. They're going to have their bits. Keyshawn can fight back. I like that dynamic.
0: It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: Moving towards the 5 o'clock hour. Yep, Reno's with us for a few more minutes. If you uh, cut out on the show, you can always listen to the entire show at lvSportsNetwork.com. Let's get down to the Thomas Mac, home of the NBA Summer League. John Von v Vison and, of course, part of the company is with us. John, what's cooking today?
4: Uh, nothing. I am out of the Thomas and Mack Center. I'm trying to find the quietest little spot. But uh, man, I don't know if it's because Wembyamo is out here or what. But summer league energy this year seems a little bit different. Maybe it's because I'm caught up in the moment. But hanging out here at the Thomas and Mack.
1: What is the story with Wemby the rest of the way, though?
4: Uh, he's done. So two games is enough. You kind of you see that with a lot of the big stars, right? Last year, uh, the most recent example, uh, Paolo Bancaro played two games. It was awesome. I think he gave, like forty points, twelve rebounds, ten assists, somewhere in that range. Saw two games, they're like, hey, you're pretty good. We're done here. You can shut it down. Same thing with Levin Yama. The second game was a lot better. Played two games. He had a really busy offseason and just wants to get back to getting him ready for what the regular season is going to bring. So not a surprise, but done for the rest of the summer league. From your
1: standpoint watching him, what would you like? What didn't you like?
4: Uh, you know, I think you like a lot of what he provides defensively, man. Quite a few shot blocks and contests. You kind of do that, like, just as a symptom of being insanely long. So, like, there's something to that. But he also is always in the place at the right time defensively, it seems, to get test shots. You really like that. I was actually a really big fan of his passing. His passing was awesome. Like, if you look at transition, when he was handling the ball, finding guys, there are a lot of assist opportunities that didn't fall because the guys didn't hit their shots. But those are the things I like. The things you don't like, I think it's the obvious stuff, right? Look, he's a small guy. So when he was trying to post some certain op- opponents up, was he getting pushed back a little bit and couldn't really move anybody? No, he really couldn't. And it looked a little, uh, I would say, for lack of a better term, shook, but that has a really negative connotation to it. But it's been a busy offseason for a 19 year old. So the first game didn't look great, but I thought there were more positives than negatives for him.
3: Speaking of Jonathan Von Tobel from, of course, the company and Visan, Jonathan, uh, there's been some locals playing. Have you had a chance to see any of them and your thoughts on them?
4: Uh, dude, I wish I could. I haven't seen much. I will say, uh, I got to see Orlando Robinson a little bit right now before you guys called me. Uh, that's been a lot of fun to watch, too. He's been showing out in a really big way out here at the Summer League. That's the guy I've had my eyes on the most, Willie. Really. I've seen some box scores for some certain local guys, but I haven't really gotten a chance to get my eyes on every single one of them yet. Actually, after today is when it starts to die down, so I'm really going to look forward to sitting down and actually watching a lot of these games.
3: It's, it, that's interesting you say you bring up box scores. Earlier in the show, we talked a little bit um in general, just about you know players and, and their this is their first this is their inaugural right introduction to the NBA summer league or not um, is it, are stats really telling or I mean ha, what else do you have to factor in I mean these guys are coming out this is their first time they're, they're, this, they always talk about the speed factor do, are box scores that big of a factor
4: no I don't think so I think when you're really looking at it like you want to watch them with your eyes you want to see what they're doing. You know, I've likened it to spring training, right? Sometimes pitchers will go out spring training, and they'll just throw like one pitch the entire time to kind of work on it. They don't really care what the final box score tells them. They just want to work on their grip and throwing and all that kind of stuff. It's the same thing here. You know, we were I was just talking with some guy who was a cover of the Hawks, Brad Roland, and we were talking about Kobe Bufkin. And part of the game plan for Buffkin has been like, just get comfortable. Shoot if you want. And he have one game where he had 19 shot attempts, and I think you get four of them. You know, that's kind of the game plan. Uh, I think there was a note the San Antonio only drew up two plays for Victor Wembanyama in his first game. Just seeing if you're comfortable running those. Same thing with Brandon Miller. So I would say no. Like, don't look too much at box scores. You want to get your eyes on them as opposed to looking at the numbers they're putting up. Because the game themselves will tell you more than actual numbers
2: will at this point. JVT, you mentioned how you haven't been able to see too much action. But I've got to ask you. Is this weekend you mentioned with Victor Wimbenyama, Do you think there's even more moving and shaking going on than previous years past?
4: Uh, oh yeah, dude, it's been crazy. Like, like the energy. I mean, the ticket sales them on Like for the first game on Friday, I think I was talking to some people. They had to buy their tickets for over hundred bucks, hundred fifty bucks. Uh, it's been wild. And it's not just him too, by the way, right? There's Scoot Henderson, who is an absolutely phenomenal prospect, who was at least starting at the beginning, of course, injured his shoulder. We'll see if that's going to happen. You have two guys from Overtime Elite, uh, and uh, the Thompson Twins. And I will say, I think that having the top prospects play for places like uh, Overseas or Overtime Elite or G League Ignite, there's like a mystery to them to a certain extent. So I think people are more than willing to come out to watch them because a lot of the time, this might be your first time getting eyes on them. You know, you can watch YouTube videos, whatever, but you haven't been really able to see them. And I think that adds to kind of like the mystique and the energy because there's a lot of the top-name prospects that are somewhat mystery for a lot of the casual NBA fans. And I think it adds to what the energy's been out here because it's been absolutely crazy. I don't know if you can hear me. There's a group of kids over here playing NBA 2K24, just scream at the top of their lungs. But there's there's a lot of people around right now.
2: Yeah, I want to ask about a couple of players in specific, a game that I got to watch yesterday. You mentioned that teams really don't care about the box score, but Jabari Smith looked phenomenal yesterday. Yep. And James Wiseman, I, I'm, I'm, I got the Wiseman stock. But yesterday I really was thinking about selling. Is it telling about a player that he's still fourth year in, still playing in the summer league? It is. It is telling. You know, it's funny you bring a Wiseman. So I was on set or
4: like yesterday and had a couple of guys come up to me. They're from Ireland, and uh, they were they were watching the Pistons game, and he comes in, and he's like, hey, man, you know, uh, this guy, uh, J- uh, what, what's his name? Uh, uh, I think it's Wiseman. He, he's pretty good, isn't he? He's one of the better players. I'm like, "Ah, oh, well, <laughs> he's actually working on some stuff. Maybe not. But I think at the very end of the day, guys like him or uh, Jabari Smith Jr., who absolutely showed out, you at the very least want to see that as second-year guys, third-year guys, the game does look slow for them. At the very least, Jabari Smith Jr. looked freaking awesome. Uh, he had that game-winning shot, of course, against the Portland Trailblazers. He had sucked the stat sheet in both games, and you see enough and you move on. But that's what you want to see from your second-year guys. You want to see that, hey, playing however many games in the NBA has changed you to a certain extent, that playing in these developmental-type situations will slow things down and make it look like you're the best player on the floor by a very wide margin. And that, at the very least, has been the case for Jamar Smith Jr., who's done for the rest of the summer league.
1: John Von Tobel is with us here on Cofield & Company, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Uh one more uh Smith related, Jory Smith related. I remember a conversation and I can't remember exactly when it was. But we were having an NBA conversation with a guest and um the Rockets started getting kinda of cracked on and we had mentioned or someone on the show had mentioned, might have been you, that they didn't have a lot of good building blocks. Do you do you believe that's the case or I mean there's they're so young. There is upside with that team, right? I mean, obviously they got uh, Thompson in this draft, but do you like what they're building with?
4: Oh, I hope it wasn't me because I, I disagree with myself. No, I, I love what they have. Like, they, have they, they have tremendous pieces. If you look at Alper and Shen Goon, who's going to be, I think, an awesome center as they move forward. Uh, Javar Smith Jr., again, growing into what he potentially could be, is going to be tremendous. Uh, Amin Thompson, I think, is going to develop into being a very good starting point guard. And Jalen Green, with better structure around him, can be very, very good. So, no, I would very much disagree with that. I think the Rockets have one of the most intrug- intriguing young cores out there. Uh, and I can't wait to see what they're going to be. And especially, like, look, Temei Udoka might be a little bit of a creep, but he is a good basketball coach, and he's a good <laughs> developmental coach. And I think there's going to be something there that's going to help push this thing forward. But, no, I, I would disagree with that. I think the Rockets have a very, very solid young foundation to build on.
3: So once they get out of these uh, the pool play and they start to, uh, getting toward championship round, have you found any value, or are you not messing with the betting?
4: No, nah, so i bet a couple futures, Willie. Really. Uh, what do I got? i got the Pistons. I've got the... Trailblazers, who, by the way, it's so funny, like you talk about betting these games or whatever, uh, uh, for those that didn't see it, the Trailblazers led by two with nine seconds left of their first game, and then, of course, Summer League happened, a young guard takes it up the court, tries to throw a lob, it gets intercepted, Rockets call a timeout with six-tenths of a second left, they win the game, so a pretty bad beat when you only got four games to get into the playoffs, uh, but I've got a couple of futures Look, at this point, like, when you're talking about these games, you're only betting on information. So if you can get ahead of, hey, Wemba by now is going to play, for an example, anything like that, I would recommend it. But you're not breaking these things down and trying to bet like, you know, X's and O's and match because I think it's a really flawed way to do it.
1: John Von is with us here on co and Company. They're trying out some of their new rules, right? Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch enough to see some flops called in general, what's your take on the NBA sort of picking up on what college basketball started last year with flopping calls?
4: So I have not seen a flop called yet. I, I have seen some of the games, but I haven't seen a flop called while I'm in there. I will say, Steve, like, I don't really love it. Like, I know we got to talk with the UNLV coaches a little bit at the beginning of last year, and, like, just, just adding another subjective call to the space, I just don't really think I enjoy it that much. Because there is going to be a point where – you're slowing the game down. You're calling something subjective. It might be a real foul. Like, I just don't really love leaving it up to them. I can understand why you want to do it. But but adding another subjective call to the mix, like a block charge type situation, I, I just, I think it's somewhat flawed. And I think at the end of the day, unless it's like massively egregious, they better keep the whistle down. Because I, I don't think you can be calling any little flop like that. You've got to have some pretty tight parameters for it, you know?
2: JVT, I really don't like the futures for Rookie of the Year because it's like, oh, they're rookies. What do we know? But I've seen enough from Chet Holmgren, you know, that 10 pounds that he's put on. What are the odds looking like for Chet? Because I'm feeling it. Uh, 18 pounds, by the way. Come on, give him some credit. I think he's up
4: to like 208 or something like that. Um, no, I think you're right. Like, And here's the thing, DeMond, what's really going to help him. He's awesome defensively. I think we look at these spindly guys and don't think defense. He's going to be an awesome rim protector. He's going to be one of these like their premier starting center as they move into next year's one of their biggest weaknesses last year. I think he's going to be up there. He's one of the shorter shots in the range of like 8-1, to one, but he is going to be up there. And I think even traveling with the team, practicing with them, you get a sense of the NBA life, so that's going to really help him out. But honestly, I think you're just looking at guys who you know are going to have a big role. Scoot Henderson's going to be the lead guard for the Portland Trailblazers at some point, whether it's at the beginning of the year or maybe a month into it after they trade Daniel Lillard. You know, you're looking a little bit down. Amen Thompson, again, I think you have a really big role for them, too. I think that's what you're looking for. Guys you know at the very least are going to have the ball in their hands and have the opportunity to impress some voters.
2: You mentioned a young core. Should I double down and also pick OKC, bet on them to maybe make the playoffs this year? Uh, I would
4: say yes. Uh, So (laughs) I love that team. Uh And here's the thing, Domon, really quickly, they they have – it's not only their young core. Remember, they have a treasure trove of assets. So if they're floating around the trade deadline with a really good record, at any point they can decide to accelerate the timeline and ship off some of those assets for a really good piece. So I would say absolutely –
1: John, real good job. Sold. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you. Do you have follow up? I don't know. I said sold. Okay, there you go, sold. Uh, convincing case. John, we'll catch up with you later in the week. Enjoy the uh, early part of the week and to help people where they can find you. Where's your uh, setup?
4: Oh uh, yeah, we're up at the top of Section 101. So if you want to come, say what's up. We're right next to the bar in the uh, 2K24 setup. Also, uh, a lot of good interviews. You can find them at Harwood Handicappers, the podcast. I just got done talking to the Buhaj of the Lakers, Brad Rowland of the Hawks. Talked to Langston Galloway, a former pro, and a D-League guy. So there's a lot of good conversations up there, too. It's been a lot of fun. John, thank you. Thanks,
1: guys. There he is, JVT on the scene at the Thomas & Mack and Cox Pavilion. Again, hardwood handicapper. Search that for your look or listen to the interviews. Damon, Willie, Cofield. Let's give away a four-pack right now. Tickets to the Summer League. These are hard tickets to get, as we found out. Sold out the first three days. Of the Summer League. Uh, these tickets are for the 15th. All 30 teams are on hand. You're going to see the teams start going deeper and deeper. So get to see some of the uh, local ties and Mountain West Conference ties and Pac-12 ties. But DeMond's got a four-pack at 364 364-1100, 364-1100. Caller number seven. You can grab your own tickets at UNLVTickets.com. NBA Summer League through the 17th. UNLVTickets.com. Can I just elaborate on the flopping deal? Because I know you sent over the idea last week to discuss it. Uh-huh. What, what's your take on it in the NBA?
2: No, no need for this. Nope. What, what are we doing? It's, if they're going to flop, they're going to flop. I don't think it's a need to – we need to get this out of the game. Why? What do you
3: think? Uh, yeah, I mean, because it's like he said. They're still going to do it. They're still going to – what they're going to try – you know what? It'll become part of the practices. Now they'll practice how to do it so to not get caught. Now they're just doing it. They're, they're, they're very blatant. Right. They're just going to learn how to flop better. Yeah. They're think, still going to do it. I think this
1: is like sounding a loud alarm to stop doing it. And they'll call it aggressively in the preseason and a little bit early in the year. But I can tell you from the college basketball side, one, the coaches hate it. Two, as the college basketball season went along, the only crews or most of the time the only crews that would call a flop were the inexperienced crews. The veteran officials will not call it. And then as you watch the games, when they call it, it is so arbitrary because the block charge is already hard enough. They don't get that right. I still believe it is a block 80% of the time. It's not a 50-50 deal. They've made it into this because all the freaking dorks led by, and this is a compliment, you know, it's a game of strategy, led by Shane Battier. It's all the dorks at Duke who started this flopping bull crap. Trying to draw charges, but it was not. I thought it was an abject failure in college basketball. Just make a regular call or not, there's no need to make flopping calls.